podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Official podcast of the Belfast Jazz for KingdomTheJazz.com. Today is Tuesday, the 5th of February 2019. I'm David McJimsey. Apologies, first of all, for Patty not being here. I understand you're usually used to better, but it's parties tonight. I'll give up my absolute best and we'll just roll with the mistakes. If you want to get in touch with us, well, go right ahead. There's literally loads of ways you can do it. Old school emails, podcast at KingdomTheJazz.com, Twitter at AVFTV, Instagram, all the modern ones, Joel's runs, you've got the Bake Book, the Snapchat, the Grinder, all the other usual places. But let's get on with the show, and we're going to kick it off slightly differently this week, as Paddy isn't here, and I've kind of lost control already. So we're going to start with the fan agenda, brought to you in association with our very good friends at Belfast Giants TV. So let's introduce the panel. Boomerang Corner call him the Ginger Jesus, the coach calls him Foxy, his mum calls him Jonathan, can you guess who it is? Welcome to the show, Josh Roach. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's actually John Boxy. Boxy, thanks very much for joining us. Absolutely, I'm happy to be here. That was one of the best entrances I think I've ever had, so thank you for that. And uh, sat to my right, as always, is international hockey legend, all-round top guy, Simon Kitchen. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? I'm not bad. And uh, I was going to introduce Joe, but he hasn't turned up, so maybe he'll drop along later in the show. Lads, let's get stuck right in. Boxy, it's... It's hard to believe there's only like seven or eight weeks of the regular season left and it's getting tight at the top again. If we if we'd been offered this position, you know, back in August, would have snapped snapped your arm off for it. Oh, hundred percent. And I had a couple of conversations with some people after the game this weekend and I think as a player and anyone a fan or anyone who's involved in the organization, all you can really ask for is to have, you know, the potential of winning the league and the, it, it being really your own destiny, not having to rely on other teams and with us kind of obviously having this recent success this past weekend and how tight it is now and uh, obviously those two games against Cardiff. I mean, there's clearly a long way to go, but just the fact that we have the potential um, to do it kind of on our own, that that's all you can ask for. It's it's never fun when you're constantly looking at out-of-town out of scores or anything like that. Now, granted, that still happens anyway because you kind of keep an eye on what's happening around the league with Cardiff, but just the fact we have the destiny in our own hands, now that's huge sometimes tweets and that kind of thing don't age very well and I, I was looking for, for stuff to do with AV, AVFTV today and way back in July we were looking at tweets of people saying this team can't do anything this season once again because of the long road swing we had to go on um, we debated that backwards, backwards and forwards you know, can that be a galvanising thing for the team but look essentially we came out of that road swing really really in a good position we talk about trying to be in touch on the 1st of January with the top of the league after that road swing and we were slightly better than that. It was a, it was a good time for the club. Yeah, absolutely. I think that road trip. Um, as a player, I think it's it's good as well. You used the term, I think you said galvanise it. I think as a group, it was huge for us because, you know, with all due respect, there's a lot of new players that come in here, a lot of different personalities and any time you have a winning environment, guys want like each other and I think being on the road for as long as we were, it, kind of gives you the opportunity to get to get to know people a bit better and you kind of build those friendships and and that's what it takes to, to, to win championships you have to want to do it for the guy you're sat next to i know these are rather cliche things i'm saying but 
you know, as a group, it really galvanized us and brought us together. So, and obviously with the success that we had, it was a, it was a special environment to be in. So, uh, you know, we just need to make sure that we take what we can from the, that, from the success that we've had in of, over that period and kind of, you know, ride that momentum because when we are playing well and, you know, playing the way we were for those few months, we're, we're a very, very good hockey team. Foxy, sixth year as a pro now. Uh, you spent a couple of years in Nottingham. Obviously, your your third season now as a giant was a with a a stop off in Milton Keynes in between. Over three hundred games in the Elite League now. Um, you're considered a, a bit of a a a, a veteran now um, because there's guys in that team that I mean, even you were here a couple of years ago. You're one of the youngest guys in the group, but be, being in the room now and not having that experience, uh, are, are, how do you? portray yourself and do you try and pass that on to, to some of the younger guys yeah it's funny I'm, I'm living with hooky this year and obviously i've known i've known hooky for a while i've played with him briefly in nottingham he came and played a couple games for us in the champions league and uh you saw at a young age even when he was flying around out there with a cage on how you know he was going to be a good player but living with him this year and um you know i i've mentioned before i, I truly believe hooky has the potential to be a full-time top six guy in this league. Um, and I think that his, his dedication away from the rink and how he carries himself at such a young age, he really does have the potential to be, you know, a Robert Dowd or someone like that, or a David Clark, you know, he has that potential and a Robert Farmer or someone like that. And, um, by him making the choice to come here and he, he, it was, I was in kind of an awkward spot because I didn't have a contract at the time, but he reached out to me and, um, asked me about Belfast, et cetera. And then, um, he made the decision to come here, and then I had the opportunity to come as well. So it was it was a, it was a good opportunity for me to come over here and by living with him. But yeah, no, going back to what you're saying about being a, a veteran guy, it's, it, it, I, this is the thing. I remember my first year in Nottingham. Someone said to me, "Just enjoy it because it flies by, and it is insane to think that you know this is my sixth year pro. It seems like just yesterday I was a, a young guy in the league and trying to you know make a name for yourself. But it's it's, I'm just, but I look back on it and think of the places I've played and the people I've played with and all the experience I have and being in Belfast as long as I have, it's, I'm very, very lucky. So, um, no, I'm very happy with how my career has gone so far. So it's, I'm very lucky. I'm going to jump on to uh, some of the questions we've had off uh, Twitter. Uh, one from uh, Stevie1601. What's the scoop on PK Subban? Or sorry, PK Subban. Uh, you kept that one quiet. You haven't really. You've talked about it before. But how do you know PK? So, uh, from the age of about five until 17, um, every Christmas for a week and every summer for about three, minimum of three weeks, I used to go over to Canada um, and do hockey schools over there. And him and I are the same age. And we basically, long story short, did the same hockey school for week, you know, almost a month, a year um, together. And we formed a pretty good friendship there. Um, we stayed in touch. Um, throughout that period of time as a couple of times I used to stay with his family and um you know I, I we just always kind of kept in touch he's uh he's a very people ask me what's what's he like in real life or was he like that when he was younger and he is exactly like he is as people see on tv he's just a big personality he comes from a very good family um and we've just always been always been good friends he you know obviously now he's a very very you know big nhl player so we don't talk as much as we used to but when i was living in the states we kept in touch quite a lot and uh, a few years ago when he was over in london we got together and had a good night together and um you know whenever we're kind of in the same 
neck of the woods when he was playing in Montreal. I was playing college. I used to go up there all the time and see him. So, but no, he's just a, he's just a good guy, and we've always kind of kept in touch. And um, you know, it's it's crazy to think that his career has panned out. But from a very young age, he was a very 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 good hockey player, and he worked really really hard. So um, he's uh, he's done very well for himself. But the stuff he does away from the rink, all his charity work. Um, that's that's something that he should definitely be proud of. But you know, he's a he's a friend I've had for quite a long time, and uh, we still speak, speaking, keep in touch. And um, it was great to see that Ethan got to meet him when he was over there. And I think they talked a little bit about the Giants. So uh, no, it's good. It's good to kind of keep those friendships and relationships because uh, they're important. I know, I I know, Paddy wouldn't forgive me. Um, I'm sure he would like to be here himself to tell you this, but he he goes on about this a lot. Whenever they were over, was it the the Gardner Cup? Like 2010 says over in Edinburgh. Yeah, uh, 2008, uh, 2009. Yeah, yeah. 2009. How time flies. Um, PK was obviously over, and he was at the bar trying to get a pint. And Paddy says, "I'll get these ones," and he says, "Dead on, I'll get the next ones." And he drunk up and had it on. So Paddy says he owes him a pint. That's ten years now. So the next time you're talking to him, if you can tell him to to cash that in, Paddy wants his pint. So yeah, I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him know. <laughs> sure. But um, look, it's been a bit of a change in the locker room this week. Um, Jordan Smotherman has obviously came in and um, well, unfortunately for Bish, Bish is hanging the skates up and uh, going to take a job on off the ice. Um, bit of a word for both of them. Yeah, first of all, I mean, I cannot speak highly enough about Bish as a person. I mean, um, obviously things potentially didn't pan out the way that he was hoping for here in Belfast. But I mean, uh, one thing, I, if anybody ever asked me for a reference on Bish, which does happen a lot in hockey, you, you you know, it's such a crazy world how it's all interconnected. People say, oh, you play with this guy, what's he like, la, la, la. Um, and one thing I would always say about Bish is that no matter what his situation was in the lineup, ice time, how his game was, anything, he was the one of the most positive, friendly, best team guys. I've And I, and I, I truly mean that. You know, it's, it's easy in situations I've had it in my career where you're frustrated about your position or how your game is, and um, you, that can kind of take away from you as a person and as a teammate, um, you know, it's a team sport, but at the end of the day, we're all kind of, you know, you, you're, you're fighting for your contract and your career, et cetera. And, um, and that can, that can, can lead guys down a certain path, but no matter what Bish's situation or how the team was, et cetera, he was a team first guy and he was a, he was a first class friend and person. So, um, I wish him nothing but the best. And I know he's going to be great as a coach because he has those people skills and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't speak highly enough about him as a person. I'm sure you guys, with your interactions, felt the same way about Bish. Talk about Bish later in the show. I've got a, a very, very soft spot for Bish. I thought he was, you know, things didn't work out for him. But all the things you've said, the, the intangibles that he brought to the rink off the ice as well, were, you know, first-class guy. But here, um, hopefully this isn't too hard a subject to talk about. Obviously, coming at the end of the postseason and, and into the summer period, the Team GB... Um, obviously have great opportunity in Division 1 this year. Is that still something that you're hankering, you really, really hope to get into that squad? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I'm, we spoke earlier about being a kind of an older guy and playing a few years in the league, and one thing I've learned is if you focus too much on things, i.e., you know, oh, I need to get a certain amount of points, I need to get a contract, I need to do this, I need to do that to me, it never works out well for you. You just have to worry about the team and and it's once again it sounds cliche but there would be nothing good about me getting stressed and being thinking oh you know I didn't make the 
the game against Riga or anything like that. It's obviously in the back of my mind. I'd be lying if I say it wasn't. Uh, it would be unbelievable to play in those games. But what will be what is what will be. You know, it's it's. I I know Pete and Kiefer and those guys are going to pick the best players for the roles. Um, and all you can do as a player is just do what you can and, and hope for the best. But if you allow it to affect you um, in a negative way and you allow it to get uptight and get, you know, stressed about it, nothing good comes from it. So, I, you know, I spoke to Hookie today and kind of asked how he was doing because I think it'd be great for him to be involved in that. And I know Swinney and Gas are over there doing well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they do. But on a personal level, you know, it'd be a real honor to, to kind of play for, play for GB again. It was great experience when I played for it in those three tournaments. But... Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I, I'll be lying if I said I haven't thought about it, but I'm really trying to just focus on enjoying my time in Belfast and and winning. It's you know, realize, as you said, when you get older, winning is the most important thing. Um, you know, I won a championship my first year in the league, and I haven't won anything since. So I've come close a couple of times, um, but that's that's truly, and I mean that honestly, that that's what all I really focus on this year is winning championships. Well then. So, Let's let's bring it back to that, you know, this last few weeks, scoring goals, helping break records, going back into Milton Keynes, getting the two goals, getting a terrific reception, which he always seemed to do there, which must be nice on a personal level as well, and chipping in with that goal that will forever be on your CV as the goal that helped Colin Shields break the all-time scoring record in the Elite League. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's, as I, it's, in the first and foremost, it was it's a real honor to, to be able to say that you had anything to do with that. So that just that in itself, um, you knew sheds wanted to, to, to make it happen. You could see before the game that he was very focused and he realized the, the opportunity he had, um, and to, to get, to be out there and put the puck in the net. And, you know, you think you, you the first thing I, I didn't even think about celebrating. I just thought, where is that puck? I know Shedsy shot that. I need to get that for him. So, um, no, it's 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 a great thing that he's been able to do that and going back into Milton Keynes and you know the fans there. There's one thing I'll always say about the fans there, no matter what the team result was or you know the situation we had last year and obviously the team this year, the fans always um, you know they never once turn on you. So yeah, it's one thing I will say about the fans of Milton Keynes is they're good people and um, that that's certainly nice, especially with potentially the situation that the team's going through this year. So that's a, that's a good thing that they're sticking by the players and, and trying to support with them as much as they can. Boxy, we're going to finish off with uh, um, a quick fire question round. We've done it a few times now in the last few weeks and a few guests we've had on. Your email, Jasmine Kitchen, has put these together and okay. um, she's got some questions for you. First of all, she said you have to answer this one. Can you right. do the floss? I haven't been, I haven't, no, I, I can't do it, but I, I need to learn it. She'll teach you. Um, would you rather be super fast or super strong? Super fast. Most famous person you've took a selfie with? Oh, uh, most famous person I've taken a selfie with. Um, uh, Rory, uh, yeah, probably Rory McRoy. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite actor? Mm, Christian Bale. Can you speak any other language? I used to be a lot better at French. When I was younger, I was almost fluent, and then I didn't speak it for a long time and lost it, and then I lived with a French-Canadian and picked it up again. So I can hold somewhat of a conversation with Besco and those guys. What's your favorite karaoke song? Uh, Justin Bieber, anything. <laughs> um, and which emoji do you use the most? 
Mm, probably the thumbs up. It's just a classic. I, you and I get to get a couple of thumbs up when we were texting earlier. We did actually. We did no problem. Listen, as always, really appreciate your time, mate. You're absolute top lad, and uh, I know you'll be looking forward to the games this weekend and obviously the rest of the season. Hundred percent. Thanks, guys. And thanks again to Johnny Boxo for coming on there. Great chat with him, and best of luck to him for the rest of the season. A good season for boxing means a good season for the Belfast Giants, and I guess that's what we all want. But he's came along better late than never. Welcome along. That's the real deal, Joel Neal. How's that for a, a fashionable entrance, boys? Fashionably late. Sorry about that. Good evening. How's everybody? Well, I'm sure Johnny Boxo probably thinks you you don't like him now, but <laughs> as as we were expecting you. 20 minutes ago but not to worry mate not to worry well we're, we're going to crack on and we're going to talk about the weekend past um the games on saturday and sunday against coventry and nottingham and we'll start with the uh coventry game goals from jonathan Ferdin, patrick dwyer kendall mcfall dustin Johnner, josh roach and that absolutely fabulous goal by darcy murphy which i'm sure we'll come on to meant the giants ran out 6-5 winners in what was quite an enthralling game. Let's go to you, Simon. Saturday night's game, um, Coventry. We get off to a great start. We're 3-0 up, and then we stop moving our feet. And the first period, we hardly come out for the second. They're, you know, they get a bit of momentum by scoring a goal. We can, we can come back up, and Jonner gets a power play marker. They make it 4-1, and then again, we just stop skating. We, there was no not enough effort. Uh, the boys just you know, turned the puck over too easy. Um, and Adam had a real go at them um, at the end of that second period. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, we all know what he can get like with his temper. And I'm sure it was, it was uh, hot and fiery in that dressing room. And, and coming out, the boys, again, they, you know, they, they, they go down 5-4, short-handed goal for, uh, I think it was Ross Venus. Um, and then we react again. And having to come from behind, uh, Josh Roach with a great power play marker, and as you said at the start there, David, you know, Darcy's goal going coast to coast again. The kid's just unbelievable. I think that was his 37th of the season. Um, he's been brilliant this year. Uh, I enjoyed calling that goal on Jan's TV. And uh, and again, for, for me, at that Saturday game, I thought that we we definitely looked as if with the energy, okay, after the week before, we looked tired in that games against um, uh, the Tuesday night game against uh, Glasgow, you know, so... Played a lot of hockey, four games and five nights the weekend before. Coming back only two and two, which was great. And both of them at home, no traveling. Uh, I thought we we thoroughly deserved to win. Um, it was, you know, we, we talked about the whole game as a whole. The only thing I was really disappointed at was the hit on Pat Dwyer. The officials got together, called a two-minute knee-in call or trip-in call or something, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and the bit that was really, really annoyed me was nobody jumped in. That really got to me, and, and that you know, I said it at the time. Somebody's got to grab that guy and just you know ragdoll him if they have to. It was ridiculous hit. Paddy's out now for for hopefully not for too long, and and uh, you know it, it definitely looked a sore one at the time. But overall, we absolutely deserved to win. It's always good to get a goalie rattled um, from uh, everybody cheering behind them and. And you know your man Hackett. Hackett's played in the NHL five six years ago, um, but he looked like a fish out of water at times against the Belfast Giants on Saturday night. Joel, as Simon says, you know we're in a four goal lead there after sort of thirty meters or thirty meters, thirty minutes, and uh, 
maybe guilty of taking foot off the gas that late goal you, you were talking about it last week as well a late goal in the period you know it leaves us with the third period with a lot more work to do than perhaps we needed to. Yeah, unfortunately, I felt, I think, all too familiar. Um, you know, you ran up that early lead and, and as you boys say, just just went static. Uh, we were defensively very loose, very fragmented. Uh, there was just, there was nothing, uh, there was nothing that looked together. Um, you know, I, I said at the end of the game report on, on Kingdom of the Giants, uh, at the end of it, you know, win pretty, win ugly, just win. But, oh boy, we won ugly. Uh, I think we were maybe lucky to get out of that. Uh, in general, a chaotic game. I mean, that third period alone, I think there were something like eight penalties. Um, although it doesn't matter. You know what? Uh, this is a game that brought the gap on the Devils down to three points. And you're never going to look back and say, well, that was an ugly win. You're just going to see two points over the Coventry Blaze. Um, there are issues that I think we need to address that, that I think the coach and the team are fully aware we need to address going forward. And those are defensively. There's nothing wrong at the moment with, uh, with our... Our, our, our press, the, the fact that we're pushing hard, we're, we're coming up with clutch goals, we're scoring plenty, um, but it's just that sort of defensive reliability that we're missing. And on any other given night, you could have thrown that game away whenever the ice started to tilt in favour of the Coventry Blaze. You know, thankfully we didn't. Um, Hackett, I don't know, I, I was expecting much more from a guy that played in the NHL and, and has, uh, you know, really good AHL numbers. Uh, he just, he was all over the place. I'm not sure if he was being hung out to dry uh, as much by his D or, or if technically he wasn't there, but um, we were lucky to get out of that one t- with two points. And I think everybody knew it, including the team and coach. Let's, let's just let you elaborate there a wee bit. You're talking about the defensive frailties and stuff and, and some things you've seen. Is there anything in particular, you know, I know last week you were critical, I suppose, of, as one way of putting it of a couple of players. Is Just what's your sort of own thinking on it at the minute? The main thing that I can see is ineffectiveness at clearing the defensive zone. I think we're messing around too much in our own zone. We're not we're not coughing the puck out of our zone quick enough. Um, I think we're allowing uh, soft turnovers both in our zone and in the neutral zone. And I think that's what's causing those goals, especially late in the period. It seems to be, uh, I mean, I, I, not not to assume, it's, it's not for me to assume, but it seems to be that within those last couple of minutes of a period that we're mentally already in the locker room and, and that's when mistakes happen. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we, we uh, obviously singled out some players, you know, Paddy asked me specifically about Jim Vandermeer, having seen a few people talking about him on twitter and stuff um i don't know that it's that it's one or maybe two guys fault i think it's just uh, an overall attitude uh, an overall sort of uh, willingness to to continue pressing and to close out the period um if i was to pick on one thing it is just that sort of sluggishness in coming out of our own zone and and fanning on declaring passes making silly mental errors uh, that, that turn the puck over and, and cause those soft goals um and as i said last week you know i, I I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's an, a question of ability. I think it's just an, a question of form. Um, I I don't know how to fix it. Um, if I did, I would be paid a lot more and I would be a hockey coach. But um, that's definitely what I'm seeing. I, I don't know if you boys would agree. Well, let's I would, let's I wouldn't. I will let's talk let's talk to a guy who is paid a lot more and um uh, who, who are we bringing on? <laughs> if you need if you need somebody to talk about ice hockey playing and defense, let's get an ice hockey team on on from back in the day, Simon. I, I, you know, yes, we're making mistakes back there, but I think it's because we're gambling and we're going for a long stretch pass or whatever it be. I listened to last week's podcast uh, when Joel was talking about Jimbo, and you know, it, it people might think I, I, I've read the, the comments on Twitter, and people might think that he's uh, uh, he look he doesn't look as if he's trying, and that the reason that he doesn't look like he's trying is because he's a Rolls Royce. Not That's my words, it. by the way. Not my words. Well, <laughs> again, 
when you when you look at I mean I watched him in practice this morning and he was unreal. He's just so effortless. If you ask the guys in the room, you know, with regards to having a person like Jim Vandermeer uh, on the back end, or would you rather have a, a another? I know, I know, I'd rather be playing outside. I think he's un- unbelievable. Yes, he made a mistake against uh, five players that rolled off the end of his stick. But you know, if you watch the rest of that game, um, and there was it was in the second period, uh, there was a. I remember watching it and thinking, how can people start thinking that? that Jim Vandermeer doesn't try and doesn't care. He, he, he goes down the right side. I, guess, I think it was Garside gave him a pass. He dumped the puck in, chased it himself, round behind the net. Boeza, who, let's be honest, the kid's one of the fastest skaters in the league, was away at the blue line with the puck, and Jim caught him before the far blue line. Jim Vandermeer, twice his age nearly, um, and caught him up. Yes, I agree with the point regarding we're making mistakes and we're turning the puck over probably too easy than what the guys would like to do. Um, but I honestly don't think you can single out one person. I know you, you did say that just a second ago, but you know it, it's collective. The whole problem starts from the wingers and the centermen. When you're not tracking back, when you're not picking your man up, when you're not playing as a team, you make mistakes. And when you're not open, some guys, I mean, we're 3-0 up at the weekend against Coventry. And you could see that guys were some of the guys were literally looking right. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang about this blue line here, looking for a jump in behind the defense to try and get the fourth goal. Um, that you know that can't happen. You have to stick to the process. Adam is adamant with regards to getting into place, playing the systems, um, making sure you're doing the right things, you're doing the simple things, and you're doing your own job. Um, but I, I honestly don't think I, I don't get why people are slagging off Jim Vandermeer. I honestly don't get it. Well, you know, I've had my, my my chats with Michael Owens in person to him for, about his um, Vandy stuff on on Twitter. So I I, I kind of agree with that, and, and it's certainly a, a case of any way you lose as a team, you win as a team. I would never try and single hundred percent. Wouldn't single anyone out from a from a team with up to twenty players in it as as, David, as being sorry, a cause of yeah. Sorry for jumping in. I guarantee you, at the end of that shift, or at the end of that period, when he went into the dressing room, Jim was the first to put his hand up and go. Sorry, boys, I screwed up there. But we'll get it back. I'm going to go back. You know, it's just... I think he's a real choice. Honestly, nor would I. You know, obviously, the the Vandermeer question came up from Paddy last week as a result of of sort of people having discussed it. But genuinely, I would agree with you guys. I'm I'm definitely not the poster boy for singling out Vandy or Rainer or whatever. Um, I I just think that it's a a common problem that seems to be happening throughout the decor. Um, Those sort of mental lapses or whatever else. But but I 100% agree. Um, I, I I would much rather have Vandy in this team this year than not. Let's go to you, Joel. First of all, Hache's knee, uh, as it's been subsequently called and suspended for by Dops on Paddy Dwyer. Mm, Dops. 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 Yeah, yeah. Dops. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sickening. You could tell as soon as you saw it that it was a bad hit, uh, completely avoidable, knee-on-knee contact, the type of hit that you just don't need in the game and, and that needs to be scrubbed from the game. Uh, causes completely unnecessary injuries. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
I, I don't like to be the first to jump on refs, uh, and I know that it's a, a call that you need to make in the heat of the moment, but even in the way that Pat Dwyer spiraled and cartwheeled and went down, that should have told you enough about the nature of the contact and where the contact occurred, and the fact that it was a two-minute tripping call was just an absolute disgrace. I'm sorry. It was, it was a horrendous call, um, and you know the, the concern about Paddy Dwyer was right throughout the weekend. Um, uh, with my fingers firmly crossed, it, it doesn't seem like we're, we're going to lose him for any sort of long period of time. Time and thank God, um, you know, he's absolutely crucial to this team on the stretch. Um, but just uh, I'm, I'm glad that Dobbs stepped in, but there's a very serious risk there of completely losing a game whenever you make a call like that. And I maybe would have liked to have seen someone uh, step up and, and maybe jump in for Paddy there. Um, that's the kind of call, the, the kind of, sorry, the kind of hit, first of all, that cannot go unaddressed in a game uh, and the kind of call that just completely boggles my mind. It was It was a really, real bad one. I suppose the only thing I would say before I come across to you, Simon, for your thoughts on it, I think the closest person, and I'm just thinking of the video in my head, it's either Swinney or McFall, because that size of guy is skated over. He's quite a distance away from it, and as you know, he skates and he ragdolls him even there. He's sitting for 17 minutes. Yeah, it's true, and so in a tight game. Yeah. That, that is, and what was a, a tight game at that stage... Don't excuse. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm the first one that's up shouting for somebody to do, you know, give somebody a slap. But you know, from that point of view, you can see why people don't know. But as you say, just skid over and give him a bit of a face wash. Even he needs more than a face wash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Joel's 100% right. That, that can't go unpunished. We've still got to play him three times this uh, for the remainder of the season. Hache, uh, you know, I think he's made a couple of dodgy hits this season, um, and uh, you know that was. Let's be honest, Swinney or McFall, whoever was on the ice, I don't care how far they are away, they've got to get in his face straight away. Absolutely straight away. Um, you know, Paddy Dwyer's been one of our star players this season. Uh, and when your your star players hit, you've got to stand up for him. So for me, let me just, I'll put it in the other way for you. If Adam keeps on the ice four years ago, three years ago, it could be 200 feet away from him. He's coming straight in there. I agree with here. Sorry for cutting across you. Four years ago, Adam Keefe takes a five-minute major for fighting for that. Would Adam Keefe... Takes... I'm, I'm losing Paddy Dwyer, potentially for the rest of the game. Doesn't know at that stage. Do you want to lose... There's 20 minutes left in the game. Do you want to lose one of your... Do, would you want to lose Kendall McFall for 17 minutes as well? Potentially. Do you know what? In a, in a situation like that, I think it's worth it. Absolutely. You're sticking up for a teammate. You will never have a coach that's going to chew your... For doing that, By no way. way. I'm playing devil's advocate because I'm hosting the show. If I was sitting in that seat tonight, I would be 100 percent in agreement <laughs> with you. But it's gotta have some, you know, Joel on the on the instigator call, and you know the referees are not going to let that go without an instigator if somebody comes in there. No, and if you look at the game situation, that there's a there's a, a fair shout for both sides of this coin. You know, it's it's what four four. Um, we are just on our way out of a five on three. Um, you know, Vandermeer had sat for elbow, and Josh Roach took a slashing call. Um, the penalty kill unit brought to brought it back to five on four. Um, and then I know, sorry, the the, the two minute call on Hasher brought it back to five on four. So we're killing a five on three at that point in a four four game, and and it's a wild game. You know, there are penalties flying everywhere. There are goals flying everywhere. I can see the the argument for letting that go uh, and and for for trying to concentrate on the scoreboard. Um, but on the flip side, we've seen it once or twice this season where uh, a, a, 
an occurrence like that or somebody dropping the gloves and fighting at that point look at the clan game whenever jimbo fought down uh, against the the sort of uh the, the boards in the east end um you know that completely flipped that game on its head it energized the crowd it energized the boys um i don't know it's it's probably the 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 lack of hockey intelligence compared to people who get paid to do this for a living and coach it for a living. But it just seems like one of those instances to me where there should have been a yard seal, you know, there should have been gloves flying hats or sorry, helmets flying all over the ice. Um, but I do get that situationally we are uh, backs against the wall there and that it may have been a bit more sensible to let it go and, and to play the scoreboard. The game, the game has changed to be fair. Like says, you know, early nineties up in the ice bowl there, somebody gets found a skip the next day. <laughs> no comment yeah so like right let, let's look on to the the very the, the highlight action of the game you know blur riley goes in the long of boards plays it back towards his own zone lenny throws it up the boards it's kind of picked off darcy murphy picks it up and dangles it joel goal of the season contender just full stop goal of the season contender he picks that puck up sort of in the in the low slot in his own zone and, and he wheels around and just dances it's the intensity that you can see in his hands uh he is a man possessed skating the gut there straight up the middle splits the entire Coventry forward and D lines in two, and the coolest finish pass hockey you've ever seen. It absolutely sent the crowd crazy. Another all time call by Simon Kitchen as well. Um, absolutely loved it. I wish I could have heard it at the time. It was brilliant, but um, just one of those moments you'll look back. Uh, you know, if, if this season, God willing, knocking on wood goes the way we want it to, you'll look back on that as one of those clutch moments that just kept us in it. Says. Yeah, it was a great goal. Um, I mean, the kid's been doing it all season, and you know he's he's beat his totals already for last year. He's he's leading the team in points. He's you know everything he seems to do at the minute. It's just it's turned out, and it's always good to do it in front of family and friends. He texted me on Friday night, um, the night before the game, and 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 said that he uh he was going out on Monday night with himself, Lenny, and, and all the family and friends. There's thirty of them over, um, and could he would it be okay if he missed the ball? And I said I'll only let you miss the ball if you score a goal tomorrow night. <laughs> and honestly, I've got I've got the text there to shoot it to prove it. Um, and when he came out of the dressing room on Saturday, he says I got the goal for him. I mean, you'll do me, kid. Too Are you bad. claiming that one? Says he? Uh, absolutely. That? <laughs> I won. I won an assist on that day. Put that down the stats. Uh, I'll tell you, this says there's been some assists this season that are a, a little less tenuous, so you can probably have it if, have <laughs> it if you chance. want. Joined by Jonathan Furland uh, Tuesday morning. Um, Furley, uh, four points from the weekend. Um, two performances with lots of goals, but uh, giving up 10 goals over the weekend. Uh, I'm sure the, uh, one of the points this week is going to be trying to tighten up and, and uh, making less mistakes uh, during the game because mistakes always happen. Yeah, for sure. Like You don't want to give up like, five goals a game because you're going to be in trouble down the line. But uh, we were struggling to score goals lately, so we didn't... Uh, the game before if we take away the 9-2 we had like uh, 10, 12 goals in uh, five games so it's good that we we got scoring again but uh, if you want to be successful every night you have to count on your defense because it's one thing you have to you can be sure about it that your game starts 0-0 so if you keep them to one or two goals you got a better chance to win and uh, so we for sure we're going to work on it we talked about it and it's just little things and uh, uh, and 
during the year you always have to adjust and the different stuff, and now that's what we have to look at. The uh, head coach is away for a few days with uh, Team GB, yep. but it doesn't look as if the boys are uh, are uh, taking it easy. It looks as if it was a tough practice today. Well, we wanted to keep it not too long, but uh, high tempo, like get the the guys uh, skating, uh, moving on the ice, and uh, a lot of throw drill, uh, battle drill as well, and a little skate at the end. It's it's good. We had a a day off after the two games this weekend, and uh, we don't get to practice uh, a lot lately, so we wanted to get the best out of it. And tomorrow it's uh, it's going to be optional for the guys, so if the guys want to go on the ice, they can if they want to go uh, uh, hit the gym or do something else. But uh, So that's why we push a little harder today, and uh, on Thursday we're going to focus more on team stuff, like we just said. We want to look at the, the mistake we've been doing uh, during the last couple of games and uh, work on it on Thursday, five on five uh, plays. and. Uh, game situation and make sure we're ready for a, a really big weekend again. Three and three, two against Guildford uh, and then you face the Panthers uh, on an away trip on Sunday. It's always difficult but uh, I'm sure the boys will be well up for it. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, Three and three is never easy but uh, like we talked before, like we talked in the room, uh, the only thing we can focus on is the first game and uh, Friday night we can only win one game so we've got to focus on this one. Make sure we uh, we play well, play well as a team, as a group, uh, in the system. So build the confidence for the big two, for the three games. If we play well, the first game usually it's uh, get uh, get the boys going the right way, in the right direction. We're gonna have a good start in the, on fr- on Friday, and uh, if we do that, we're gonna be successful. But uh, for sure, we just have to focus on that first game, and and then we'll move forward the next one when we're when we're there. Jordan Smotherman came in on Sunday, um, picked himself up a goal and shared the first practice day with the guys. How's he looking? Uh, he's looking good. Be, uh, another big body. That's uh, that's good in the, uh, in this league because uh, like uh, we saw on the, on the Sunday against Nottingham, it was uh, physical, a lot of hit, a lot of uh, like uh, battle uh, a lot around the the wall, and uh, he seems to be really strong in that area, so we can use him down low and stuff, and he, he's got a good head, good hands, he can make plays, I think, from what we saw right now, so uh, uh, he's going to be a really big addition for us. Joined by Josh Roach after Tuesday morning's practice, uh, the January Player of the Month uh, for a view from the bridge and the champion bowler um, for the OSE event last night. Uh, it's been a good weekend for you. Yeah, you know, uh, my parents are in town, uh, so I had to put on a show for them. And, you know, uh, we were able to get a couple big wins this weekend. And then, like you said, last night I was on my game bowling. So uh, it doesn't happen often, but I'll take it. You were uh, 17 uh, pins behind Jim Vandermeer getting into the, the, uh, the second game. But uh, coming up with a big score of 187 uh, and you took the pot. So you're going to have a bit of bragging rights in the dressing room today? Yeah, I think so. You know, the boys are giving me a hard time saying I was using the bumpers, but uh, whatever it takes to win, I guess. They didn't uh, They didn't get that 50 quid, so I'll take it. <laughs> uh, moving on to this weekend, three games. Uh, you faced the Guildford Flames already this season with success, uh, and obviously uh, you tripped to Nottingham uh, after facing them this weekend, but uh, the boys are in good spirits. Yeah, you know, definitely. Anytime we can get a, a good weekend like we did, a couple wins, that uh, definitely is good for team morale. Um, you know, things are tight at the top, so these next three games are going to be huge for us, especially the two at home. Moving down the stretch, games are ticking away. Uh, just the three points behind the Cardiff Devils now. Just taking one game at a time? Yeah, pretty much. You know, uh, we got them uh, back-to-back at home here in a couple weeks, so, you know, if we can uh, continue to tweak our game and, and go into that weekend feeling good about ourselves, it should be a good matchup. 
Here, look, that's a, a great two points for the Belfast Giants. And we moved on the next Sunday, obviously 20 past four, 22 minutes past four the following day. We dropped the first puck against the Nottingham Panthers, rushed into a two-goal lead, pegged back to two each, stretched it out to 4-2, pegged back to 4-3, four each, and it all got very exciting. The Giants have stretched out towards the end of the game there and made it, uh, what did they end up, 8-5. Eight, 8-5 eight, goals from... Let's see here. Let's go down him. Kyle Bond, Dustin Johnner, Kyle Bond again, Darcy Murphy, Dustin Johnner, Dustin Johnner making it a hat trick. Kyle Bond making it a hat trick, the first double hat trick game since 2003 when Brad Kenny and pa- Paxton Schulte That's scored in a 10 4 win start. over great the Dizzing Stoke Bison and uh, rounded out with uh, a goal from the new guy, Jordan Smotherman, number 29, wearing the blood shirt while he was waiting for his. Uh, well, he's waiting for his own kit to be done up because he came in at very short notice. We'll talk about that a little later. Let's talk about the game first, Simon. You know, jumping out that lead and then getting pegged back. Hardly ideal. Yeah, again, we got off to another great start. Um, and, you know, the Panthers, like, the Panthers haven't had the best of season, but we all know that they can be dangerous. Uh, it was the fifth game against them this season. We beat them three times. Uh, they beat us in the first game of the season away. And, uh, you know, when you, when you know, Garnett, Garnett really did keep them in at stages. And then, you know, when they got it back to 4-4, to be honest, I thought Besco was outstanding. Uh, they had a couple of really big chances to go ahead, and, and Besco stood tall and managed to to, uh, to keep the puck out of the net and, and get into the, uh, the end of the second period, I think it was, at 4-4. But, you know, we can't keep on doing that. We can't keep on uh, making making mistakes. Yes, you're, you're gambling for a, for a, a pass up the middle and uh, or you're knocking one off the wall, but, you know, Chris Stewart, their new guy that came in there, I think it was 10 or 12 games ago, he had a brilliant game. You know, he, he certainly, uh, he, he's a big boy. Um, and he, he doesn't, I don't think he gets about the ice anywhere near as what he was doing when he was in the NHL. But uh, he's, he's a smart, smart player. Playing on the line with Perlini and Farmer. Um, you know, we, we know that Farmer's the guy you love to hate. I would love to see him in a Belfast Giants uniform. I genuinely would. Um, and Perlini's, you know, He's their, their poster boy. He's had him for a couple of years now. They played for GB and, um, you know, the two really, really good British players. But then Dustin Johnner pops up with a power play just into the third period. Well, managed to get, you know, the other goal from, was that Johnner as well? Was that his hat-trick goal? Yeah. Um, they make it 6-4. And then they gamble. You know, they, there's three minutes left in the game. They pull their goalie. Uh, they get it back to 6-5. 20 seconds later, Kyle Bond finishes his hat trick off as well, and, and great to see Jordan Smotherman using Spiro Galako's sticks because his sticks haven't turned up. Um, you know, getting head, getting a, a stick that I was speaking to Taff on uh, on Sunday after the game, and um, he was saying about the, the sticks. And Jordan, Jordan, when he got the sticks, he, he actually couldn't remember where he actually, you know, because of his having arrived back from Germany, he was wondering where he cuts the stick, and he thinks he cut the first one about three inches short than what it should have been. Um, and then Taft gave him another one at the start of the third period, and he ends up scoring the goal. So Taft's looking to assist on that one, David. But um, make some notes here. You know, at the end of the, I think they were out shooting us after two periods. The Panthers did come back into it. They did, you know, at one stage when it was four four. Um, I haven't even been in tied games this year against anybody at the arena. I haven't really thought, you know what, we're going to lose this. <laughs> but that that was probably the closest game. At 4-4, I'm sitting thinking, we really need to dig deep here. And we dug deep. Four third-period goals. Thoroughly deserved to win. A four-point weekend. Great to see Dustin Johnner getting a hat-trick in his 900th professional game. Um, and and uh, Kyle Bond 
three goals, two assists. That lineup on Rutherford and Murphy, 13 points in that game against the Panthers. You couldn't score enough against them. Joel, Lions just, just. the Lions got the, the Lions got uh, mixed up again a little over the weekend. There, um, yeah. Simon talks about the Bond, um, Murphy, and Rutherford line. Whole lot of points between it. You know, Higgy, Blair, Riley, Dustin Johner, and, and then I think it was it was Fairley, Shades, and Smotherman. Smotherman certainly started the game together on that sort of third change up. Um, hard to argue with what the coach has done there. No, fantastic. You know, sometimes that shuffle uh, just adds a little bit of what you need. You know, it, it can get uh, it can get formulaic whenever you stick with your lines for so long. And and I think that's something that we possibly were lacking a little bit throughout the Continental Cup weekend and, and the Cardiff Devils weekend that followed is that sort of secondary scoring that was beyond the first line of, of Dwyer, Murphy and uh, and Rutherford. And it's great to see, you know, the 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 sort of much maligned Kyle Bond slump. You know, he, he was he was lights out. He was on fire at the start of the season and, and his his points dried up there um, and, and it, it didn't seem to be through anything that he was doing his ability seemed to be there he just didn't seem to be getting the puck lock he didn't seem to be getting the bounce or, or the service or I don't know what it was but that slump is well and truly over Kyle Bond is a fantastic forward for this team this year and I'm glad we have him um, you know the, the the shuffle worked thank goodness you know we're, we're down Patrick Dwyer you have a new player coming in it's it's that sort of unknown and it could have gone either way um, as much as Garnet was fantastic for Nottingham a couple of absolutely mind bending glove saves but as much as he was great I think Tyler Beskarwani kept us in that game for long spells towards the end um, Chris Stewart was uh, easily the, the best outing since he arrived in the Elite League I think he was something like what you you can maybe tell me Debbie I think he was like two points maybe three points in, in ten games before he came in and he got more points in that single game than he had his entire stretch in the Elite League so far um, he was absolutely fantastic but all in all um, again just I, I, it was a wild game to be honest I was um, uh, typing my wee guts out trying to keep up with it uh, similar to the Coventry game on the Saturday night um, a fantastic fairy tale ending as well after a double hat-trick and, and that is a fantastic stat by the way the first since 2003 absolutely unreal and then whenever you add the fact that it's just uh, when it's Dustin Johnner's 900th professional game and it was on his wee daughter's birthday she was up on on the big screen having a great time uh, just one of those lovely kind of moments where everything comes together and then the fairy tale ending of Jordan Smotherman straight off the plane uh, and, and as he says in the post-game interviews, the eighth goal is always the most important, right? Um, just a, a really lovely and well-deserved reward for him. Uh, I, I tell you what, if you want to make me fall in love with a Belfast giant, that is how you do it. A guy that's watching the webcast sees Patrick Dwyer go down and figures that Adam Keefe might need an extra body the next day. Uh, retire the blood jersey. Retire the 29, boys. I want to see it in the rafters. Let's talk about that, says, um, you know, Jordan's motherman was supposed to be coming in at the start of the week here and as, as Joel said there, he's watching the webcast on Saturday night, or Friday, uh, Saturday night, getting to know his new teammates, what the what the setup for the Belfast Giants is. Probably been watching them for a few weeks as we've been talking to him, as you know, and, you know, decides off his own bat, I'm going to get on the, get onto the airport here and, and see if I can get into Belfast for tomorrow. The boys might need me. Yeah, um, he was all booked to come in on Monday uh, at lunchtime um, alongside his wife, and um, I got an email from Thorts on Friday night asking me, could we get him arranged to get him picked up. So it was all sorted. And then um, after Dwyer went down, just as you say, you know, he's been, you know, this obviously he's been looking to try and get this happen. These these moves don't happen overnight, but he's been to get uh, thoughts and, and Adam been speaking to him over the last number of weeks. And um, I was speaking to, I took him to pick his wife up yesterday. Um, and, and, you know, when, when things like that come in, Joel's a hundred percent right. When things like that happen and, he 
off his own bat, his own money, goes on top of the flight that he's already got booked by the team to come in. Sees a teammate go down who he's never met before. Um, and, you know, he could say it as clear as day from Amsterdam. And yet we have two officials on the ice that call a two-minute tripping call. <laughs> you know, he basically knew that Paddy Dwyer was hurt. So you get on the uh, on the, the internet. He booked a flight uh, to come into Belfast from Amsterdam. He drove for five hours from Germany to get to Amsterdam, to get the flight, left at, I think it was 3 a.m. Um, for a 12 uh, p.m. flight to Belfast. Gets in two and a half hours before face-off. Has never met. Sorry, he's never met 16 of the 18 guys that he goes on the ice with. And then he scores the eighth goal. I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport you're involved in. I don't care what team you support. But I'll tell you what, he has bought into this full full pelt. And I think it's absolutely brilliant what he did. And as great as Smotherman was doing what he did... Obviously, the sad news, I guess, coming off the back of that is that Hunter Bishop has decided now is the time to uh, to call it a career as far as on-ice skating goes. He's obviously taken a, a job up with the Colonials there in Charleston, his hometown. He'll get back to have a bit of sun on his back uh, next autumn. And, uh, you know, I think Bish goes with everybody's best wishes, Sam. Of course. You know, we, we talked about it with Boxy earlier. Uh, you know, such a top lad, a real, real good lad bought into what it was coming and unfortunately just didn't go his way. You know, a couple of unlucky bounces. We, we, you know, I don't know if you remember the goal. The I think it was a short-handed goal. He scored away at Dundee. It was unreal. It was one of the best goals I've seen all season. Dipsy doodle, the whole length of the ice, cuts down the left side. It makes the D-man look like a complete um, and then slots it through the five-hole. And you're sitting thinking, right, this is him ready to go. And he just couldn't find that extra step. You know, we all knew he'd speed the burn. He, you know, he's a wicked wrist shot. Um, but, you know, more importantly, you know, I think it's, you know, I think he was, he was, uh, because he was the healthy scratcher a couple of times and, and even Boxy said, you know, the, the attitude that he had when, when he was the healthy scratcher or if he was, if somebody was out hurt, it was, there was not a better teammate. Um, he was just always positive, trying to keep things going the right way for the team. Sorry to see him go. Real, real nice guy. Real, real, uh, top player. I, I thought he was excellent, but unfortunately for him, it just didn't go the way he wanted to. Wish him all the best of luck uh, for his uh, co-head coach and, and general manager of, of the junior team in Charlotte. Joel, the Bish. Yeah, David, I have to hand it to you. You know, as the the official of Even the Bridge uh, spokesperson on Hunter <laughs> Bishop from the from the DNR that he signed, uh, as as good as your uh, as your introductory piece to him and your sort of deep dive into his career was, the the sort of farewell that you you penned to him on Kingdom of the Giants this week was a fantastic read. So uh, a tip of the hat to you. Um, it's it's one thing that keeps coming up about Bish, um, model professional. If you speak to anyone from uh, you know like like Austin, Robbie, Steve, the pirate, the the backroom staff at the Giants, the guys that are around practice and are around on game day and are around the arena, right through to the coaching staff and his teammates. All you hear is about how hard he worked, how hard he worked in practice, how good he looked all the time in practice. Um, and, and just, he was a model professional. And, and he, as you say, he came to work with a smile on his face every day. Um, a fantastic guy as well. Um, genuinely enjoyed any chance I had a, a, ch- a chance to speak to, uh, sorry, any time I had a chance to speak to him. Um, an absolutely beautiful family as, as we kid Brody is, is just a total sweetheart um, and as you guys say you know he has an opportunity now to to translate his playing career into 
something a bit more long term that keeps him involved in the game and you can do nothing but thank him for what he's given to the team and wish him all the very best and, and we hope to keep in touch um, you know he, he contributed a lot this year and he's one of those players that uh, I don't think you can measure in uh, elite prospects uh, you know terms you, you can't look at his points to to sum up what he contributes to a team you know the, the, the contribution you make to a team as a player uh, it starts whenever you roll into practice in the morning it's whenever you're with the boys after games it's when you're on the road in hotels and buses and to me he just seemed like one of those guys who rolled with the punches he uh, he he always acted for the good of the team he was frustrated by those healthy scratches you could tell he didn't want to be scratched but he understood that that's the way it had to be at the time so with that said he was a grinder he was a guy that, that did his bit and tried his very best and, and I wish him nothing but the very best there's a two-on-one chance here. Steps inside. Hunter Bishop shot. He gets his goal! Hunter Bishop's first of the season. Lovely play at the red line by Dustin Jonner. Fell inside to Kyle Vaughan. Two-on-one. And Bishop puts the chance. 5-1 up. I think he watched where Kendall McFall had placed his because he puts it in exactly the same corner. Low blocker. And that's a pure goal scorer's finish. Great. Great yeah. play by Jonna, great play by Bona to feed Hunter coming in, and he makes no mistake on that one. His first goal is a giant. I'm sure David McGimsey will be pleased. I'm sure Hunter Bishop will be pleased. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, so we're going to move on now from the Hunter Bishop chat, and we're going to have a look around the league, and there's been a goaltending change, so who better to call up than a goaltender? Andrew Dixon, welcome back to View from the Bridge. Well, thank you for having me. Deco, going to throw this one at you because I don't know if you've seen the Sheffield Steelers tonight announced a new goaltender. Uh, I knew about it on Friday. There you go. Oh, you never told us. You kept that to yourself. Carson Chubak. Carson Chubak's yeah. back in the league. Mm-hmm. So between him and West, they'll have a hit between them. So, so <laughs> I can say that because they're both my mates, so it's okay. So, but yeah, I, I heard that last. I heard that last week actually. That he, um, I heard that he was over and he'd been training and everything out there. So I wasn't sure if they were able to get the a deal done or the visa or whatever they needed done because it's not easy to get a visa. I think if you haven't played in a while and obviously he hasn't played since he played in Edinburgh. So yeah, I guess he got the visa done. So um, I'm happy to see you know Chubbs you know back in hockey doing what he wants to do. You, you know, it's not you never want to see a guy have to step away from hockey because of an injury. So it's it's good to see him getting past his you know his health problems and and back playing the sport he loves. Dicko, um, I was I had a wee interview with Stephen Murphy, that guy that you've been um, you know chilling out with for the last nine years, um, mm-hmm. or for Chance TV the other day, and he was telling us a few stories about him. Um, so instead of me asking any questions, I want to hear some of your best Stephen Murphy stories. I'm sure Joel would be right up for this as well. You know the thing, Murph's so sneaky, man. Like he he doesn't get caught doing things, and if he does want something like done, he'll he'll, he'll get his puppy me to do it. So you know, for on a night out, he'll send me to do it, and I end up doing it for him. And then you know, I think it's great, and everyone's having a laugh, and he takes no responsibility in it, and then it all falls back on me. But I don't know. I don't actually have that many stories about him. I know that's ridiculous after nine years, but um, yeah, honestly, if he wants if he wants his dirty work done, he gets me to do it. So that's basically how it works around here. So if I tell a story, I'm really just throwing myself under the bus, if I'm honest. So it's basically it's a matter of him making the snowballs and you firing him. Well, yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll not only will I fire them, he'll tell me where to throw them, how high to throw them, who to throw them at, and I'm quite happy to do it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it is though like Deco, I th- there's I don't know 
if you're a fan uh, up in the stands and 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 you you obviously don't have that peek behind the curtain, you just assume from the way you both get on with each other that you're together like a married couple, and. It's actually true. Like, I rang you in the preseason this year uh, whenever you had signed for a chat. And uh, I was like, are, are you okay to talk now? Are you okay, mate? It sounded like you were in a car. And you were like, yeah, it's okay. I'm just with Murph here. We were, what were you doing? You were doing something ridiculous, like going and looking at puppies or at the driving range or something. I don't even know. How much time in a week? <laughs> what was it? It wasn't puppies. It was putters at the driving range. <laughs> but, but yeah, so putters, puppies, whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm actually, I've literally just came back from the driving range outside. But he wouldn't come tonight because apparently he's got uh, a lesson or something, or you know, he's doing something with school or something like that there. So he uh, he didn't come tonight. So you know, that's fine. He's a little better than me at golf anyway because his dad was a golf pro. So I've got a little bit of catching up to do. So I was down at the driving range and I actually said I would give my friend JJ, who plays out in Arizona City, I told him I'd give him uh, a big shout out on the podcast because he listens to it all the time so um so yeah um but yeah that's me and Murph you know it's just I don't know we just get on well you know you've got those like personalities um that sort of go well we we do the same sort of music and then obviously like without being funny and you know uh, you know he obviously looked after me a lot in my you know early career and showed me the ropes and and uh yeah so obviously now you know we're getting up to his testimonial and you know, I'm very proud of everything he's achieved here in Belfast. But yeah, you're right. We're like a married couple, but like most married couples, you know, don't want to hang out with each other anymore. And after nine years, <laughs> most marriages are over and ours are still going. So we're doing okay. It's a beautiful thing. Take me back, Dicko, to the very, very start whenever you first started working with Murph. Do you have any kind of early memories of him? Uh, how, how he introduced himself to you? Those kind of early days. Did you guys click kind of straight away? Did you just know, yeah, we're pretty much the same person here? This is going to be a thing. Well, same person minus a little bit of you know he, he might be a little bit better at me at the old net minding, but you know <laughs> the um he uh no what happened was I got signed uh, well I wouldn't even say signed I uh I quit my job to come and train for a week with the Giants because they wouldn't give me the time off work to come and do it so uh, uh, we were playing like Newcastle and like an Irish select team back in like 2009 I think it was and Murph couldn't uh, Murph was hurt coming into the season he he had knee surgery so. Nathan Craze was, you know, set to start the season and they needed a goalie to back Craze uh, up. So that's where I come in. And because in Dundonald, we've obviously tasked on a great job and he's, he's fixed the room up. But back then it was it was like half the room it was now. So we didn't have enough seats for the players. So what they done was they just like made me like a makeshift stall in the corner beside Murph. So I had like a seat, a, a coat hanger and I don't know. So I would like <laughs> sit beside Murph and obviously, you know, if you're sitting beside him, you're you just get talking to the guys who are beside you and you know it was good fun they, they used to always like hide my pads and stuff like that there so um so that's basically how i got he got lumped with me basically i got stuck beside him in the i'm not even going to tell you what well just we, it was like a bit of a cave in the corner it's basically beside the coffee machine so uh, they just squashed me into the corner and that was basically how i got lumped with Murph. but then you know i i thought i was only going to be there for maybe like a week and then after the week i got you know asked back for another week and that's when I started like uh, picking Murph's brain about you know how you you know about netminding, what can I do, how can I do this better, and and then uh, I remember like back then I didn't really have a contract or anything. I just I did, but I didn't. I, I could I was registered to play, but um, so I didn't get sticks and stuff like that there. Taff would give me the odd stick, and I was like, I need some sticks, Murph. And he's like, Oh well, we've got a I've got a school visit today, so he ended up 
training me if I'd done his school visits he would give me his old sticks <laughs> so so I was out doing his like school visits and God bless Gordy he he had no idea who I was and we're like yeah this kid Dicko was going to do the school visits so <laughs> Gordy was not impressed but yeah so he treated me school visits for, for sticks so that tells you a lot about it. that's the Scottish in him though <laughs> Dicko, let's 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 stick with Murph before we go on to any other subjects. Testimonial, mm-hmm. obviously, coming up in the next few weeks. I'm going to throw yeah. a few numbers at you. Numbers are important when you're looking at a goaltender. They're not the be all and end all, but 427 games for the Giant, 9.12 mm-hmm. save percentage or 0.912, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah. You know, less than a thousand goals against 25,000 minutes. Fucking how many saves? Ten and a half thousand saves. He's 26 shutouts, you know, he leads pretty much in most of the stats. He's been phenomenal for to do it for that yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Then the, the other big ones, first British goalie to win the league, you know, twice. Yeah. Um, Great Britain games thrown in there as well, you know. Um, games that probably aren't registered, if you think about the amount of games he played before he even came to Belfast. Like, I know, oh, no, that's, overall, that's I know, purely Belfast, yeah. Yeah, like, but if you, I know because if you if you factor in the fact that he basically turned pro when he was about fifteen, yeah. um, when the rest of us are still you know doing our GCSEs and he's like, playing for Fife, which back in the day were you know a, a, a good team like they are today. I know they had a little dip after that, but they, um, yeah, it's just it's it's mind blowing the sort of the numbers and the, uh, the the longevity and and how he's been able to stay at the peak, you know, of, of British ice hockey for so long. And must be on the family, because obviously you just have to look at Colin Shields as well. You know, um, Shields, he's in his late 30s, and obviously he's he's the same, all-time points leader, and Great Britain all-time points leader as well. So it is true, yeah, those guys, they must have been playing a lot when they were when they were younger. And I've heard them talking about um, Murph's got damn Murph's, you know, his, his, uh, he's obviously his mum remarried, so he's got two dads, and one of his dads was a hockey pro, and the other one was a golf pro, so he's kind of blessed that way, and same with Shedsy, Shedsy's dad played hockey as well, so they all come from that family, and they were kind of brought up in that situation, so I think that helped a lot during the way, but yeah, in terms of Belfast, um, we haven't had a goalie like him, obviously we've had great goalies, but no one who's been long, around that long, and, and, and achieved as much, and put their body through as much as what Murph has for the team. Deco, um, tell us a story about when uh, you were you were in the locker or you you got the call and it, Murph had uh, it cut his hand cutting an apple and you you oh, yeah. tell us about that that's a cracker like that's the old great oh yeah it was Wally wasn't it? Wally was the coach yeah yeah, um, yeah. I was there's been a few he's you know giving me heart attacks like um, basically I think. I, we came, I don't know if we were on the road or anything, I can't really remember, but we came to, we came to the rink and uh, I came in or whatever. And, um, I think, Murphy I think we were at, ho- quite I think early. at home against Edinburgh. We were against Edinburgh. And you know what? You know what made it even worse? It was the game that we were about to play overtime because they forgot to play overtime That's in a game, right. in a Challenge Cup game. So the game was about to start with sudden death overtime <laughs> uh, against Carson Trubach, funnily enough. And uh, so, yeah, I come in the locker room. And then I think someone rings down or whatever, so Wally comes in and the boys give me a lot of stick about this. I'm sitting in my stall, um, Spetsco stall now, which is beside Murph, and he goes, ah, oh, Murph just cut his hand, maybe not in as polite as that. Uh, 
like, I was like, what? I actually, and I thought, he's, no, he actually said, Merce in the hospital. And I was like, what? What do you mean he's in the hospital? And his wife was pregnant at the time, so I thought maybe they were going into labour or something out there. Or he's cut his hand, cut an apple or something out there. So obviously, I had some choice words. And the second he, he was like, right, Dicko, you're going. I was like, oh, no. So I was like reaching up and I, I like grabbed my inhaler. And obviously, everyone's watching me. And I like ripped like three puffs of the inhaler. So now every time, <laughs> even that last game against whoever it was, Dundee, I was going for the third period. Kiefer comes in the room and he goes, right, Dicko, take your inhaler. You're up, you know. So now it's like, it's it's it's, it's like a bit of a center in the dressing room now. So he's done it a few times. Like I remember that time we were playing Cardiff. And like thirty seconds into the game, he like blew his groin, and like people give me a lot of stick. Like the headline was going to be, "Murph blows his groin, Dicko has heart failure," you know. So, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, he's done it to me a few times. But you know, I didn't. Even, I actually end up. I didn't even play that ever again. He ended up playing it, you know. So and we won both the games, you know. But yeah, there you are. He's done it to me a few times. Indeed. Um... 4-2 win and a 5-2 win so um, back on to mm-hmm. back on to back on to this year Dicko and you've been very lucky over the the years you've played with Giants it's mostly been Stephen Murphy but there's been some great goaltenders that have came in here you know you say Mlack came in for a little short while you know you've talked mm-hmm. about your relationship with Chubbs there and you know this season I think we've been blessed to have one of the best the club's ever had and Tyler Beskarani he must be pretty fun to learn off as well as just just sit and watch every day Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's um he's a different sort of goaltender than we've seen before. He's um he's the modern goaltender, and he I was saying that in preseason. He looks like he's going to be the. I'd only seen him about two practices back then, and I said you know he looks like he plays big. He's a big guy, but what actually impresses me more about Besco is just how how much fun he looks like he's having when he's playing the game. He you know you never see him worried, or even if a goal goes in, he's never snapping or anything out there. He just he's always having a laugh we're in the dressing room before. In preseason, I was like, oh, he's kind of loose for a game. And I thought it was just because it was a preseason game, you know. But in reality, it's because he's just, you know, he's quite ice cool that way in terms of whenever he's playing, he doesn't get worried. Not that Murph did either. Murph was always, Murph was like a quiet can. My best school would talk. He would talk to me or if I was backing him up or whoever. And, he, you know, he wouldn't be shy to, to talk to other guys on the, on the team, which a lot of goalies won't do. Chubbs wouldn't do that. Chubbs would never speak. Wiss would talk a little bit. Zemmer wouldn't talk. I certainly wouldn't talk for a week. Um, so yeah, he's 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 so he's so ice cool. That's the way I would put it. And you can see him wherever he skates. Sometimes for a delayed talent, he does that freeze. You know, um, as if he's like he's having a laugh at half. He must have a joke in there somewhere. I don't actually know, but I'll find out for you for next time. And uh, yeah, so he's he's so ice cool. And obviously. You know the talent speaks for itself. He's he's so good with his with his gloves. He's so good with his positioning. He makes saves that you know goaltenders. Uh, you know goaltenders make it look hard. He makes it look easy. You know, which is a mark of a good goalie. Um, yeah, I, I think you know Jansel will like to see him in our crease for as long as possible because he's he's just a top notch goaltender. Deco, we're going to finish off with uh, some quick fire questions. Um, okay. some, of the boys, some of the boys have done this now in, in the last few weeks so uh, these are all put together by Jasmine Kitchen no idea who she is like um, but, okay. so what's your favourite hobby outside of hockey golf what's your favourite thing about someone in your family well I don't know my family annoy me um, <laughs> that, I ha- that, that I have to like them describe yourself in three words scruffy 
loyal and funny. They're I'm half funny, I know. Beautiful, beautiful. If you were stuck in the lift with one person, who would you want it to be? Stephen Murphy. Oh, <laughs> romance. Uh, what's the last book you read? Uh, oh, The House of Silk, which is uh, like a Sherlock Holmes book. What's your favourite TV channel, not including Babe Station? <laughs> what's the other one? The one after? <laughs> that's, a, that's a Joel question. <laughs> uh, it would actually be something stupid, like the History Channel. Great channel, Deco, great, Deco, great mm, channel. Vikings and all that, you know. He's like Go an on. onion, boys. He's like an onion. He's reading. He's watching the History Channel. This is not the Andrew Dixon that the public think, you know. Yeah, but you, you, see... know, you know something. I, I'm smarter than I look, you know, which isn't hard. But yeah. Right, next question: Who's the smartest in the room? Oh, after me, certainly isn't Adam Keith. Um, who is it? Um, Keeper listens to this every week, you know. Oh, that's right. By the way, I plan to fight Keith at this testimonial, so you know, get your tickets because he's go- he's going down. Um, let me think. Um, I don't know. In our Garside, you see, after Garside's had a beer, I call him the professor. He goes into all these things and he's just talking nonsense. So he is, but he thinks he's the smartest in the room anyway. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? About two minutes, because I'm always late. I was got then that was the next one. Who's the who's always late in the dressing room? And we all know it's you anyway. Last one. Is me. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you take with you? Uh, obviously, obviously uh, Murph's one uh, of them. Uh, apart from stuff like a boat, oh, I don't know. Like uh, if I can get the PlayStation, I think PlayStation would be one, and just like a big case of Red Bull that would keep me going. So you're stranded on a tropical island, and you want to take a PlayStation. <laughs> Where are you going to plug Guy, it in? That was my question. Where what? are you going to plug it in? <laughs> so I can just hug it, you know. That's like the time we went to we went to uh, Angers in the uh, in the Continental Cup. Me and Murph were coming through the uh, you know like the airport scanner thing, and the guy's like, "Is there anything electrical in there?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay." I opened up. The Stewie was in front of me. I pulled out a PlayStation. He goes, "Did you boys bring your PlayStation?" I was like, "Yeah." And then I can't even tell you what he said because. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't impressed. We're different, kind of like Slapshot. Brought their toys with them, you know. So, <laughs> but, Echo, uh, as always, man, top top lab. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and you know, we're always looking forward to you. I know you're gonna. You were telling me what your what your plans are for the uh, testimonial, which is upcoming for Murph. We all we all think it's thoroughly deserved. We're hoping to get him on next week uh, to have a chat about it. But uh, in the meantime, thanks very much for joining us, Navy FTB. You're top lad. No worries, boys. Have a good one. See you later. And as Simon says, thank you very much to Andrew Dixon for joining us here. Let's have a quick look back at the weekend there where we're presented the A View from the Bridge, courtesy of Phonocab, Player of the Month for January. And Joel, Player of the Month for January, Josh Roach, what do you think? Yeah, it's amazing what a few stern threats and any Belfast accent can do, isn't it? Uh, the, the votes absolutely flew in following the Brigadier's issue of violence to everybody who didn't vote for Josh Roach last week, but completely deserved it. He, he honestly couldn't deserve it anymore. Josh Roach is, has become a, a, a cornerstone of, of this team. Um, his offensive production is just out of this world. He's racking up points week on week, and I think it's possibly and, and and you know you don't need me to tell you i'm a blair riley guy but it's possibly the most timely and most deserved player of the month that we've issued this season you know it's it's just come right at the perfect time for him uh to, to acknowledge just the work that he's put in over the last month properly well deserved david what do you think 
Oh, I said, I, I think I sent you the, the, the stats, Simon, from, you know, I, I know it's a bit tongue-in-cheek saying he, he's on a three-month point streak because it was like the 29th of December and it was like the 3rd of February or something. But, you know, essentially he's been on a, you know, whatever it is, 14-game point streak, you know, half a dozen goals, 20 assists or something, you know, great plus minus, very, very few penalties in minutes, you know. He encompasses everything that we needed, you know, from a sort of offensive demon. He, he ties up so well with Lenny there. Lenny on mind the shop and let Rochi do his thing. And Lenny's chipped in a couple of times. He's taken, you know, he's taken uh, Rochi's lead there. And he's, he came in at the back door there a couple of weeks ago with a great goal as well. So, you know, they, they formed a really nice partnership. It's the bedrock, I would say. Those two are the bedrock, which this this defence is built upon. You know, we've got really, really good setup there with um, McFall and Rainer usually going together. Vandy and Gary go out together, but those two of Rucci and Lenny start virtually every game. First, there are go to first line of defense. You know, I said it all. I don't know. It was last week's podcast, the week before when I was asked for player of the month. For me, there were some outstanding performances through January of Dustin Johnner. Rainer was very good, you know, but for me, Rucci just the, the point streak. Okay, you know, I focus sometimes a little bit too much on stats, but you know. They are very, very good stats to have, and for me, they just elevated them slightly above the other guys in the voting this month. I think you brought up a point last year in the podcast about Spiro being the quickest to fifty points from yeah. from as a defenseman. Yeah, I don't think that was far off for for uh, Rochi to get the sixty points. You have to look at maybe a stat that you can pull out, but I would have um, to go for sixty because he certainly wasn't as quick to fifty as Spiro. Yeah, um, um, I mean he's it's sixty. I think it's sixty-two points now he has. Um, from first year pro, uh, you know, he's an important part of this team. I said at the start of the season, um, you know, about a month then, I thought he was, you know, potentially going to be our MVP. I thought, you know, I think the kid's got it all. I really do. Um, I do think he can play at a higher level. I'd love to see him stay in Belfast next year and beyond. Um, and I think it's a no brainer for, for, uh, for player of the month last month. Let's move on to this weekend, and trust me, this will be quick because it's the, the part of the show I absolutely hate. Flames at home, Flames at home, Panthers away. Three games you can get them if you can't get down to SSE. First of all, get down if you can. Simon, ticket line is? 9073-9074. Nice. T- ticket master if you want them. Belfast Giants TV if you're absolutely stuck at home or you cannot get down to SSE. If there's water dividing you and Northern Ireland, then you can get on to the webcast. Sunday night, of course, we don't believe there'll be a webcast. You never know. They might throw up a Sunday showdown on YouTube. That would be brilliant for those that can't attend. But guys, what are you expecting from the games, Joel? Yeah, it's another three and three, um, which is a, a brutal ask. I, I like. I'm I'm enjoying this season immensely. Uh, it's been a, a roller coaster. We are sitting level on games now with the Cardiff Devils, and the the point is the points gap is three. And I, I think we we still have to play them twice in a double header, isn't that right? So the the league is wide wide open. This is probably the most thrilling chase to the finish that we've had in a few years. Um, but these threes and three and threes are a huge demand on the body. This season feels like with with all of the competition and with the Continental Cup and everything else it feels so long um, I feel like I'm never out of the arena so this weekend again is a huge test It's you could you could nearly chop this up and say it every week it's do or die time right now it's the first to flinch we'll lose this 
this title. Um, we are going to the very bitter end. Um, and you know, Guildford, uh, a team that are underestimated often in this league, um, maybe because they're not an arena team, whatever else, but they have a, a good squad. They have a, a good club structure, good money behind them, um, and they're they're going to challenge us this weekend. And then to have to challenge, uh, to sorry, to have to travel to Nottingham on Sunday after having uh, dealt them a loss in the SSE, um, you know, they're going to be game for a rematch. It's just the first of flinch between us and Cardiff for me, boys, and and uh, it's it's just go time. Simon, yeah, I mean again, it's going to be two tough games, uh, Friday, Saturday, and and again, it's always difficult in the in the uh, NIA or NIC or whatever you call it. Um, but Friday, again, one game at a time. Guildford Friday night, we've got the better of them so far this year. Um, you know their their top line is is really good. Like it's really really good. Um, their power play, you know. Is 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 probably the most vital part of that that group. Um, I think we've got the better of them with regards to uh, the goaltending. You know, the Carosi and and uh, Fullerton split the time between them, um, and I and I expect that this weekend. I think we'll start one on uh, Friday and then the different one on the Saturday night. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what what happens. Friday night's the most important game. <laughs> every every game from here on in is absolutely massive, huge games, um, and you know Joel touched on it there first to flinch. Uh, the Cardiff Devils haven't had a great last couple of weeks. Hopefully that continues. I know they've got a couple of big games coming up as well and then we face them in two weeks' time. And there, there you go. That's all we're going to talk about the games. But before we close the show out, any other business, Simon? Yeah, I have a couple actually. Um, I want to say a couple of big thank yous. The Belfast Giants uh, OSC did a bowling night last night uh, with over 100 people turn up at it. Um, all the players that were still uh, available, obviously the boys are away with GB, um, and uh, Darcy and, and Lenny had family over, but everybody else turned up. Uh, we talked about Josh Rhodes a few minutes ago as the um, uh, player of the month last month. He's not a bad bowler either. He had 187 last night in one game. Um, so he was the uh, the bowling champion for the players last night. Jonathan Ferdinand's team uh, won the uh, the team prize. And as I say, you know, any money raised is certainly going towards your Belfast chance and. And one way or another, it depends on which way they want to spend. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it, all the support we had last night is thoroughly, thoroughly well-deserved and, and much appreciated. The second part of that, for, sorry, in case anybody else wanted to jump in, the Continental Cup shirts, um, this goes out tomorrow morning. So tomorrow will be the last day, or today, Wednesday, will be the last day that you can bid uh, on one of the Continental Cup shirts. So both home and away shirts for majority of players are available. Um they're marked game worn or game prepared. I know there's a couple of guys who didn't make uh, the obviously Shane's missed out with the white jerseys in November and uh, Dicko missed out uh, the both games, but the game the shirts have been prepared for them. So they're they're doing great at the minute. Some really you know some real good bargains on there for a piece of our history down the years to come, and and they're two nice shirts as well. So if you want to bid on that tomorrow, uh, uk. It finishes at 9 p.m. Wednesday night. Uh, so get in, get your uh, your bids in, and uh, good luck. Joel, anything from you, mate? Um, well, since you gave me the platform, just a, a real quick one. Uh, we, uh, myself and says, were joined at the weekend there by a really good friend of ours, we Ollie. Um, he's only what, what eight says, I think he's yeah. Eight. 
um, him and his mom Laura. Um, I, I sort of had had uh, got in touch with them a, a few weeks uh, back and, and met them for the first time. And we always a, a huge fan of of Simon first of all, and 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 what he does on comms and and the podcast and and, and everything that that we do as well. So we brought him up to media and we got him involved. He was helping me with the game report. He was on live on TV with Simon in a period break, and he absolutely nailed it. The wee man was just fantastic. Great confidence and, and really really funny. Lovely family. Um, his mom Laura, total sweetheart as well. So just a big shout out to Ollie and thank you for all his help. All the boys were really excited to meet him after the game and, and we can't wait to see you around. I'd like to thank everybody who came on the show tonight. Johnny Boxall who kicked the show off, Andrew Dixon who came on at half time, Jonathan Ferland, Josh Roach down at train this morning. But of course, there's no show without punch. Simon Kitchen, thank you very much. Thanks, David. Cheers, Joel. Joel, all the best, mate. Super boys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You know that the games are coming up home and home against the Flames as we discussed the way the Panthers. Look, we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you next time on a view from the bridge. <laughs> Guys, I have to get off. I genuinely want to f*** myself. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Network.